RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 5, Episode 4, Parody Call Sheet, April 20th, 1990. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hey, welcome back, Star Trek fans and all you, you Star Trek historians. Uh, yes, you canonistas, I say that lovingly. And of course, all of our Trekophiles spelled with an F. We have a really fun little bit of, it's just a piece of fluff. But again, uh, every piece of fluff when it comes to Star Trek gives us an insight into uh, the making of television, the making of Star Trek, um, the things that have changed and the things that are exactly the same. That's, that's kind of a topic for today. I've got a great guest back with us. So for right now, check out our page on Facebook, The Trek Files. That's where we always give you the documents of the week that we're discussing. This week, there's just one, two sides. So take a look at that. But meantime... Here's a sample, and then come right back, and I'll be here with this week's guest. Notes. One, all calls subject to change without notice. Two, closed set. All visitors report directly to Brent Spiner's trailer. Three, smoke them if you got them. Four, bye. Be safe, and thanks. All right, Trekophiles, yes. If you peeked, as you were supposed to, you see that we've got kind of an interesting little fun bit. Now, those of you who are familiar with a call sheet, you know, which is basically the, dable, the, which is basically the daily Bible of a show's production uh, plan, it tells who's supposed to be there, whether they're an actor or someone on crew. It tells what the different crews are supposed to do. It tells what's being shot and where and when, at least the starting plan. Uh, it has, it's, just a, it's just a wealth of information. It really is like a snapshot, a daily snapshot of the making of any series or movie. Except what we've given you this week is a big fake. <laughs> it's fake history, uh, but it was intended that way. This is a parody call sheet. Um, it's from the third season of uh, Next Generation, A Special Day. Anyway, there's so many references here to... Uh, to Star Trek and to television production and specifically to the third season of Next Generation, I thought, you know what? Who better to come in here and help me decode some of the in-jokes than our good friend, my longtime friend, friend of the show, Eric Stillwell. Yeah. Hey, we've got you back. Yay. Eric was with us when we talked about yesterday's Enterprise, the show which he famously co-wrote the story for, was on staff as script coordinator by that time, but Eric has a long history as a, as a fan himself, and then coming up through the Hollywood ranks, working with B.B. Besh, among others, and then P.A. at Paramount. And I was a Klingon once. Uh, yes. Yes, you were. <laughs> Klingon in Star Trek Six. That's a whole other story. We, we'll get to that someday, but... And I was Benny Russell's hands in Far Beyond what? the Stars. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was the guy on the, t- the 1940s typewriter typing... That that scene directed by Avery Brooks. Oh, they just showed the yeah, type the typing keys on the paper. They didn't show my right? hands. Right. Just did, did you get any special insight for your performance from Avery? Directed that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I I didn't know if I was supposed to type fast or type accurately because Dan Curry kept saying type faster. <laughs> so I said to Avery, "What's my motivation?" And he put his hands on my shoulders and just said, "You're a writer, right?" And if and if. The director, Avery Brooks, says that it must be so. 
Well, that was a little further ahead of the field than uh, <laughs> on the timeline than our document this week, which is um, – now, it's a yellow call sheet, which is like script pages, right? There were the whites yep. and then blue, then pink, and then yellow was fourth yep. revision, right? But uh, I think we get the idea very quickly that this is a, uh, a spoof. A spoof. For one thing, if you look at the day, if you look this up, Trekophiles, Friday, April 20th, uh, the season wrapped on Thursday, April 19th. So this is for the next day, which no one was going to come in for. If, unless and it was were. Earth Day. It was? No. <laughs> April 20th? I don't know. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> but it's funny. It's the first day out of, out of 10. Like they had a 10. I mean, it's, it's basically people are exhausted at this point. Yeah. Right? There are some funny jokes in here. There are some cute in jokes. There's a lot of bad. <laughs> there's some bad dad jokes in here. But basically, it's coming out of uh, <laughs> lunch eventually. Uh, crew call 10. Shooting call 1030. Like a half hour break. Director Jonathan Chalmers. Which is yeah. Jonathan Frakes, the rookie that year, yeah. and uh, Chip Chalmers. The episode is where every, every man, man has gone, gone by now. now. Yeah. And, and I love how it's taking place on the planet Hell, which was stage sixteen. Right. We always called it Planet Hell, but it was sort of like the season from Hell, right? Well, look at this interior main bridge optical one one A one B one C one D one E one A because that was when the the Scenes we get chopped up like one line at right. a time because of a different camera angle, and it just drove you crazy. Um, on all of that, for one-eighth of a page, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you look across. So if you're not used to looking at a – again, this is really a wonderful blueprint. You can tell so much about uh, how, a, how a, the day of a series of, a, of an episode or a movie was being shot, the master plan and how all the pieces come together. And it's – when you're not, not looking at a parody sheet, it's um, – it's really instructive. But even to look at this and you can see where people's exhaustion humor is because that's where we are, right? It's the end of the season. Yep. It started back in May or June, and you've gotten to April. What is this? And this is traditional. This is when they ended in April and the premiere would be like by September. It's not like the streaming overlap seasons now. They've got Will Wheaton or Wesley Crusher is 23 days to graduation. <laughs> yeah. Down here in the cast list, Hoopy Goldberg is Texas Guinan, which was the the uh, uh, Texas Ma Guinan was the character, the bartender in Texas that she was modeled after. Uh, what else we have? Martin Mull is Pinthor Mull. Somebody really glommed onto that character, Pinthor Mull, in one of the episodes. Major Barrett is Mom. Uh huh. Danger as himself. That's a reference to. Dennis Madeline. Dadla, the he script was, coordinator, was, yeah. No, he was the stunt coordinator. Stunt co- what did I say? Script. Oh. <laughs> that was me. That was you. And you were certainly in no danger. Unless it was uh, getting yelled at by somebody <laughs> higher up the chain. Uh, His initials are RB. <laughs> and uh, Alan Bernard here, grandfather on the mountain. Um, he, he's white-headed. He was a nice guy. I don't know if that was a... Yeah. And Jerry Mathers as, as the, the beaver. beaver. Yes, which we have to say. And then we heard the, the notes there. It's very insidious, which is starts correctly. All calls, that's, that was a standard, you know, boilerplate on the call sheet. Subject to change without notice. And then, yes, uh, they're getting a dig in it. Brent there, apparently Brent had his share of <laughs> visitors, maybe. Maybe that's what that was a reference to. Uh, smoke him if you got him. Okay, uh, modern crowd. That was a very World War II if you haven't seen a lot of war movies, that's a line from that. And interesting that they've got every assistant director of all levels ever from the beginning of the series are all listed down there, which is kind of wacky. But again, this is the mood, and, and people can read um, 
just note on the back that Marvin Rush is apparently doing 82 different jobs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, All, it's like the USC film school. Uh, yeah. You can, yeah, people can go through, and, and there are some more in-jokes in there. But really, again, this is kind of a uh, – it's a let-off steam, end of a season, because Star Trek was – I mean, a show, a whole season. We're talking we're talking 26-episode years here, yeah. not these little well, wimpy 10-episode jobs. Yeah. <laughs> these young kids today, I tell you I what. I mean, it was really a year-round job except for like a month off in between. It was like, it was like school. It was like uh, – yeah. yeah, you had two or three months off at the hiatus. Um, what was that, I mean? What was that like, Eric? I mean, <laughs> we we've gotten away from that. A lot of network TV is still a long season, but so much of peak TV now, and the, the kind of thing that is winning the Emmys that we see, that's getting awards, and that people seem to be talking about. You know, that has fan base. It is these short seasons. But what was that like working on a show where you had such a long, long? I mean, it was pretty crazy. I mean, just in a given week. And this was your first year to be script coordinator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in a first week. Yeah. I mean, just in a in a one week time frame, starting on Mondays, you'd have like a normal call time in the morning, even though the actors are still mm-hmm. coming in at four o'clock in the morning for makeup if if they have a lot of makeup. But by the end of the week, because of the the call times and the union turnaround periods between wrap and the next day, you'd be having call times at two o'clock in the afternoon. Because at, if you say, yeah. let's say you have a long night and you end at nine, you can't come in at five no. or six the next day. You have to give people X amount of hours to. Uh, so every day you'd be coming in later and or later. Or you pay more. And you force the call right. and you have to pay them more. Yeah. And then staying later and later. So there were so many times on Friday night that you'd be there till two or three o'clock in the morning. Because that's when they put things like yeah. stunts and, and effects work. Right? And, and even the people like me who worked in the office, you weren't allowed to leave because they might need a script change and at the last minute and you had to be around. You had to be around for those. Yeah. So every, it was kind of like uh, you guys in the offices didn't get off easy. I mean, you we were, easily were, were the, these people were working 12 to 16 hour days. Yeah. And it, that era took, which is, I mean, I was laughing earlier about the 10 and 12 and 13 episode seasons. But you can make a huge argument that of all, say, Star Trek was emblematic of those long shows. But Star Trek really was such a, a genre unto itself. And a lot of writers who were storied writers, Emmy winners, noted writers came to the show. They, they washed out. They couldn't, they were great writers, but they couldn't hack the gene box. Right, the junior, yeah, and some yeah. people who were totally unheralded writers came in and worked, and then when they left Star Trek, they were not taken seriously because, well, you've got this weird niche show you could write for, but what have you done lately? That's normal. And then this was the season where Michael Pillar came onto the oh, show, yeah. and he made people work in the box. <laughs> Well, right. It, Which more, was a challenge. Well, we had the famous, you know, now that it's called, uh, it's been dubbed the Chaos on the Bridge first couple of seasons, and Maury Hurley came to be the writer, which, and you'd been there in various capacities, but increasingly up the ladder. But you knew Maury. What was, yeah. what was Maury Hurley like, Eric? Maury was a really, uh, he was a nice guy. Um, I he was. I he didn't, came to be the showrunner and head writer. Right. I mean, I didn't especially. spend a lot of time with him because, as a production assistant, I was based out of Trailer Twenty Four or whatever it was, and he was in the Hart Building, so we saw each other occasionally. But I remember the time when the writer strike was happening at the end of first season, and we were prepping the Neutral Zone episode, mm-hmm. and he came. Oh, yeah. He came into the production office and he said to me, um, "I need some names of some Romulan." characters eric 
give me some names. And I'm like, and I said, am I supposed to just make them up? And he's like, no, look them up in a Romulan encyclopedia. <laughs> so he was, he was fun, had a good sense of humor. So did he, did they take, did, are they yeah. verbatim for you? Oh. Yeah. Okay. And thus began this beautiful relationship of you saving Moriarty's bacon. <laughs> yeah, that's another whole story. Well, I mean, but very quickly, we let's flash forward. So this is third season. We're looking at this call yeah. sheet to end. But the third season kind of began out of the, I don't want to say the rubble of the second season at the end. Yeah, because Maury left. Uh, when was Shades of Grey? At the end of the second finale. season? It was the finale. Oh, it was? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was the episode where, again, they... I don't know what was going on. But well, there was, a, there was a budget crunch, yeah. and it was like you can't shoot as much and build and all that. So they but. just wrote this skeleton script and said, we're going to fill it in. We're going to do a clip show and fill it in with clips. And so my assignment was to to go pull every possible clip uh, from the first two seasons that could be Riker's memories and then put them on a reel so that Rick could look through them, and I had to type it all up too, so that he knew exactly what each scene was. Mm-hmm. And I pulled all the the scenes from all the scripts and time codes. And I all actually of that. worked yeah. eighty some hours that week, and it became the first episode where I have a screen credit at the end of the show as a researcher. As researcher, yeah. But uh, I, I so desperately wanted them to call that episode Riker's Brain. <laughs> <laughs> now, Eric, by... you, you know we don't re- make references <laughs> to the original series on Next Generation. Um, yeah, but that so, – so Maury left – I don't want to say early, but he left – I mean you were kind of left running the ship, right? Well, he that? left at the end of the season and they – they hired another writer named um, Michael Wagner to be the showrunner for the Wait, third season. Not Michael Pillar, Michael Wagner. Nope. Well, it was Michael Wagner and Michael Pillar were the two candidates they were mm-hmm. con- like considering, and they they went with Michael Wagner. And Michael was there for a few weeks trying to make mm-hmm. something out of total chaos, and he finally just said, "I quit." <laughs> He wrote one script and then was gone. And, and yeah. he left. And so suddenly there was no showrunner. There was no scripts. And I was trying to hold together the script department and the scripts that we were prepping for production. Rick would call me every day, come over. I've got notes. And I was doing what basically Rick used to do with the writers. I was taking the notes and making the changes. And uh, it was it was craziness. And then Michael Pillar came on talk about a skeleton crew. as the yeah. runner-up choice well michael work. came in like they were like a month into shooting right yeah or into prep at least it was insane and michael was very organized so that it was he was tough on the mm-hmm. the team because he wanted to you know he wanted to produce something and he wanted it to be good but this is also how the door got open to accepting mm-hmm. script submissions from outside of the industry and without you didn't have to have an agent you didn't yeah. and and you Param- had to sign a release form paramount didn't want to right. allow it because none of the studios allowed it they thought it'd be a legal but can of worms we put together right. this legal form a release form and all these guidelines of do's and don'ts and don't do this and and we and michael i think was very successful at bringing in the writers like ron moore who wrote a spec script, mm-hmm. uh, people who never had had an opportunity to uh, 
do this kind of thing before got their foot in the door. Or you had to get into that weird, you know, it happens with a lot of unions and guilds where they try to preserve the quality of the membership, but it's a really high bar, but it's that, how do you get, you right. can't get in the union it's until... It's a catch-22, You yeah. can't get the work, and you can't get the work until you're in the union. It's a catch-22, right. Renee Echevarria is another? Yeah. We're there, wow. So, yeah, Michael came into the game late. It's, uh, his phrase to me, I always hear him saying, is we rode the rims that year, all the V episodes. <laughs> and then... Yesterday's Enterprise, as we've talked about, turned around. And, but you, was, you were saying uh, that, that as far as a season and getting to the end of a crazy year, they're all crazy, feels like. All the years I worked in production, it seemed like it. I mean, it, 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 it's weird, but as, as things became computerized in the industry and script, more script changes could be mm-hmm. made more frequently and faster... I mean, by the time I was working on the Dead Zone series, we didn't even print scripts anymore. We just emailed them to everybody, and, and you could just make changes, like, at the spur of the moment. I, I think it got even crazier. Right, It right. became more efficient, but it was also... Now there's more room to have more yeah. real work. As but I think the to... quality of television shows oh, yeah. nowadays. Yeah, peak TV. That's, that's insane. You had four networks gatekeeping, and the... Yes, the quality of individual series is so much higher now with all these streaming services and going on there. Well, um, I, you know, we, we came across this call sheet in the files and uh, just could not resist pulling it out here. I even love here the atmosphere and stand-ins. One Andorian, two Mazarians, three Klingons, four Packlids, and a partridge in a pear tree. Yes, <laughs> it's a dad joke, but what can we say? It's a Star Trek dad joke. <laughs> Eric, listen, thanks so much for... Uh, coming by. I knew a third season parody call sheet. Who else to call in? <laughs> Honestly, I've but never the, even seen that before, but it was great. To the third that. season parody himself. Yeah. <laughs> the Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. All of our documents and your chance to comment are available right there at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at LarryNimacek.com. Trek well, everybody. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.